All right, so if you want to be a better communicator, a better speaker, which to be honest, I think is one of the fundamental, if not the fundamental skills in growing your expert business, you're going to love this episode. I'm going to go deep into the three big mistakes that people make when they speak on virtual stage or live stages. And I share with you the exact truth about what you need to do instead. In fact, I even shared some really specific things that you can do in your speaking. I talk about the four modes of speaking. Uh, I even shared where you can get beautiful imagery and download stuff for free on the internet for your presentations to make your presentations look beautiful, engaging, all that sort of stuff. So I trust you're going to love today's episode all about the three big mistakes that people make when they speak and how to avoid them. And you're going to find it really helpful. So uh, bless you. Make sure you're subscribed if you aren't. And we'll talk soon. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. I trust you know that I think speaking is one of the most, if not the most powerful skills that you can develop as an expert. You look at any leading authority in our industry and all of them have spent the time, pushed through the challenge to become effective speakers. In fact, I think any leader on the planet has spent the time, any effective leader has spent the time to get good at speaking. Now, in saying that, There are some big mistakes that speakers make when they are on a virtual or a live stage. And so I want to share with you three things that you should be avoiding. And I think they're going to be a little bit counterintuitive because some of these mistakes, especially if you're just starting out or you're kind of like still growing in your speaking journey, you're going to be making these mistakes. And I want to make sure that you're not making them and then also what to do instead. And I think when you master these these big mistakes I'm going to share and, and do, do what I, I tell you to do, it's going to make your speeches more engaging, more conversion focused, and people are going to walk away and say, wow, that was an incredible experience. And they're inspired to see some change. So let me share with you what these first three big, you know, like there are so many, but I've just chosen three that I think are really relevant and you're going to be able to use straight away. So the first thing is this. The first big mistake is speaking all the time, speaking all the time. So most people, when they come into a presentation, do you remember those three minute presentations and speeches that you used to have to do in school? I I know our kids at the moment are starting to do them. They're starting to do like show and tell presentations. And you know, at the the moment, it's like the history of America they're doing and all that sort of stuff. And then Georgia today says in the car to me, she's like, dad, I have to share a presentation on on Australia. And and I'm telling her about Vegemite and kangaroos and all that sort of stuff, right? And they're starting to do these two, three minute presentations. But this is the thing is that as you start to speak more, one of the revelations that I hope you have is that great speakers, when they think about their presentation, it's not about filling the air all the time with words. Because when you start, if you look at, let's say you go, okay, I've got to do a 45-minute presentation. So that means I have to speak nonstop in a way that almost feels like I'm not even allowed to have a breath for 45 minutes so that I can just fill that time of 45 minutes with lots of words, lots of content, and people can walk away. (laughs) 
So you get it, right? Like that was me just then filling words with lots of content, talking all the time, not actually taking a breath. And that's what people think it is. So amateur speakers, or when you're just starting out, a lot of the time you look at a 45 minute presentation or look at a 60 minute webinar and go, oh my gosh, I have to fill 60 minutes or even a full day. Just recently, we just ran one of our virtual events for, for Self and Stage Academy. And it was a two day virtual event. And so you could look at that and go, in fact, I even said to my son, Jonah, when we were at dinner the other night, I was like, yeah, hey, buddy, like we just ran a, an event online. And I said, I presented for two days straight. And he was like, oh my gosh, because he'd just done like a five minute presentation. And it was like blowing his mind because how can you speak for two days straight? Well, the answer is you shouldn't. You probably could, but you shouldn't. And I think amateur speakers think that a speech, the time you get allocated or the time that you give yourself, if you're creating a speech, like a webinar that you schedule, you think you have to speak the whole time, but you don't. In fact, there are certain modes that you can move through in terms of your speaking so that the audience stays really engaged. Let me share some of those modes. One of the modes is a teaching mode. The teaching mode is where you're literally sharing content, like you're teaching, you're talking, you're sharing content, right? So that's one mode. Another mode is a coaching mode. The coaching mode is where you are asking questions of people. If you've ever seen like Tony Robbins, he does like, you know, they're more advanced interventions, but you'll see he has a conversation with someone in the audience. And so if we're on a webinar, maybe that's asking questions throughout the webinar, engaging with people, asking them to write in their biggest fears around the topic, asking them to see where they are on a, on a scale of one to 10. It's really just engaging them. So I call it the coaching mode, right? Another mode is the reflecting mode. The reflecting mode is where maybe you get the, if it's a live presentation, it's great to get the audience to talk with the person next to them and reflect on what has been most useful, most helpful from the point that they talked about. Or if you're running a virtual presentation, if you're in a meeting mode, you can break people into breakout rooms and get people to talk about what was most helpful, most useful. Now, something like that, that can take five, 10 minutes of an entire presentation, especially if you're running it like a workshop style. Like that can take up a good chunk, you know, like 15, 20% of your presentation can be just other people reflecting on what they got from the content that you were sharing when you were teaching. Does that make sense? And another mode you can have is what I call the workshopping mode. The workshopping mode is where you literally give people activities. And so you can even do this on a webinar. You could have, hey, these are three questions I want you to answer right now and give them, you know, a minute, 60 seconds, put a timer up and they answer the questions and then they come back and they share what they got from it. Does that make sense? And so these are different modes that you can move through when you're teaching. So rather than just thinking that your presentation is all about you filling the entire time with content and you talking the whole time, it's not. There are different modes that you need to move through to become effective at even just getting your message across and helping the audience to understand and process the information. Now, one of the intertwined in this mistake is that I think if you ever run a virtual conference or run conferences, one of the big mistakes that people make is that they run a conference in a way where it's just speaking the whole time. So they've got one speaker and then the next speaker, and then the next speaker, and then the next, and it's just rapid fire. And it's like drink from the fire hose. Have you been in a conference like that? I'm sure you have. Now, the problem with those is if the MC 
or the person facilitating the conference doesn't spend any time reflecting, coaching with people, doing activities or, or any sort of different modes and energy throughout the conference, it just gets completely overwhelming and you'll probably leave that conference and do nothing with the information. That's why when I'm running a workshop, especially for my students, when we're going through content, like I know it's so fascinating actually from the workshop we just ran recently, I, I asked them, I was like, hey, what's been most helpful from day one, etc." And a lot of them write in something like, being able to share my own story and get feedback from that, from the other students and make tweaks on it and just being able to talk with other students. And I'm like, but what about my content? My content was awesome, wasn't it, right? My ego like going up. And so, but, but that's what I want you to understand is that when you speak, what's interesting is that your teaching isn't as valuable as you think. Now, do you have to have teaching in it? Yes, you do, especially if you're speaking or or teaching. If you are a pure facilitator, you don't necessarily have to have much teaching in there. But if you're teaching or running a webinar or a presentation, virtual event, etc., you're going to have to have some teaching. But I just want you to make sure that you don't think that it's about you speaking the whole time. That's a massive mistake that people make. So that's the first one. Speaking the whole time. Massive one, right? I trust... Is this valuable so far? I hope it is. The second big one is overusing PowerPoint. Now, I know you may have heard that before, but let's get really specific. What I mean by that is a lot of the time, and actually I was doing some coaching with a, with a client just the other day and I was having a look at her webinar and it was just way too many words, like way too many words. Because the truth is that you as a listener are either listening to the speaker, you, or reading the PowerPoint. Now, I've seen a lot of people, I think there's a few, even some you know, fairly big digital marketers who do like virtual presentations and almost every word is on the slide. I hate that. Personally, I hate watching it. I don't think it's that effective. I don't think it's engaging. Sometimes they think it is, but I think it's terrible. It's horrible. As a user experiencing that, it's like, I was like, what, what's the point of this? I'm just reading stuff and you're just telling me. And I think the way you use PowerPoint should be to complement what you do. So it's almost like, it's like a walking stick in a sense. It's not going to make you walk, but it's something that you can lean on at occasions as you take your steps. Does that make sense? So for me, PowerPoint should support the presentation, not be the presentation. And now, now, by the way, if you use PowerPoint, that's fine. I prefer Keynote on the Mac or the Mac users out there. I love Keynote because Keynote is, I just love the cleanness of the slides and how it all looks. And we use, I mean, we've designed a whole like slide deck for the students. But what I want you to get right now, what I want you to get right now is understanding this mistake of overusing PowerPoint. Now, one of the big mistakes is using ClipArt. Can I just, can I just ask? that you would make a commitment in your life right now to never ever use ClipArt again in your entire life. There are so many different, you know, uh, platforms and websites out there. There's one called Unsplashed, unsplashed.com. And I love that. It's royalty-free images that you can use on your presentations. You have like full right to use them. You can attribute them if you want, or you don't have to. But it's like, it's Unsplashed is where you can download beautiful images and use them for your content right away. It's beautiful. 
And so I used Unsplashed a lot. Now I use some other paid platforms like 123rf.com. 123rf.com is royalty-free images. So you're gonna get them a bit cheaper, couple of dollars per image. But I use you know different platforms like that and I buy images or I download images and utilize them in my presentation. So just whatever you do, don't use clip art, don't overuse words on your presentations because that is gonna detract from the power of your presentation as opposed to amplify and support what you're actually saying. So that's the second big mistake is overusing PowerPoint. Now, the third big mistake is an entire shift in itself. This mistake will make a massive difference to your presentation. And that's this, and, and it com this comes back to the philosophy of how you prepare and get ready for a presentation. So you ready for this? The mistake is this, is making the presentation about your content. I'll give an example of this. I know for me, many years ago, I was doing a coaching session with a particular woman, she was an executive, and she was preparing a case study that she was presenting at a industry conference. And she was presenting a case study about some changes, challenges, things that they've overcome and implemented in their organization and the results that they've seen, right? So she's presenting this case study about how she's implemented and changed the culture in her organization, which is great. She's writing the points that she wants to share, all that sort of stuff. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, all she's doing is just writing a presentation about what she did. And she's really not making it relevant and resourceful for the audience. In other words, she's writing a presentation based on what she wanted to say, as opposed to how the audience needed to hear it. And so one of the most important things to do is to make sure that you are making your presentation about the audience, not about your content. Now, does that mean that your content is included in the presentation? Well, of course it does, right? So your content, needs to be included in the presentation because that's the thing you're presenting on. But the frame that I want to approach your content from is not how can I share my content so that people think it's awesome, so that I look great. You wanna use the frame of how can I share this content so the audience very quickly realizes how relevant, interesting, powerful it is for them. Not for you, for them. And so we use a process called the audience psychology map, which really maps out like the big challenges and desires for the audience members. But for the moment, what I want you to literally just do is just have this frame, this frame of going, how can I share my content so that the audience goes, wow, this is relevant for me. Now with that coaching session that I was doing with, with the lady, the executive at the time, I said to her, I was like, this is not about you, this case study that you ran and implemented in your organization has nothing to do with you or your organization. She's like, what? What do you mean it's got nothing to do with us and our organization? And I said, the mistake that you're making in the presentation is that you think the presentation is about the case study you're sharing, and it's not. What this presentation is about is about the audience and the case study's relevance for the audience. And when she got that, everything changed. She changed how she introduced it. She changed how she shared the concepts and the ideas, the stories, all that sort of stuff. And I remember going to the coaching session after this you know, confrontation I had with her or coaching moment, let's call it. It wasn't really that drastic, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I like challenged her on it. She comes back and she go, and I looked at her, her Word document at the time and it, and it literally said at the top in red bold letters, it's about the audience. And that was when I realized she gets this, she gets it. And so 
So the big mistake that I want you to get is that don't make your content about your content. Make the content about the audience, make it relative, make it important, make it interesting for them. So see it through that frame, don't see it through the frame of why this content is so cool. And I think one of the big mistakes that people make is that they think a lot of the time their content is about showing that they're credible, that they know what they're talking about, that you know they're, they're reliable, trustworthy, all that sort of stuff. And don't try to show that. What you do is you show that you understand the audience and what they're going through and how the content is relevant for them. And if you do that, your credibility and your trust level just goes through the roof because what do you know what the audience care about? They don't care about your content. They care about themselves. That's all they care about. And so when you come into your presentation with that frame, everything changes and your credibility, your connection, your trust gets looked after intuitively, naturally, like just effervescently. It just gets looked after. You don't even have to do anything. It gets looked after naturally. And so these are three big mistakes that I want you to avoid, which were, uh, we talked about speaking all the time. We talked about the four modes that you can use to speak in a way that engages and changes all of those different modes. We talked about overusing PowerPoint and some different places that you can download beautiful images and so forth. And then we talked about this mistake of really thinking that the presentation is about your content. It's not about the content, it's about the audience's needs and what they desire and why it's relevant for them. And so, first of all, if you haven't yet, please leave a comment in the review section on Apple iTunes about what's been most helpful from today's session. Please take a moment, leave a review uh, and don't even see it as a review. It's like, I would love to know what's been most helpful from the content today. So give it a star rating, leave a review if you haven't yet. It helps to grow the podcast significantly. And I want you to know that that I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you're listening. I'm grateful that you're a part of it. Uh, we, meet, we reach a ton of people every single month and I just really want to help more people. And so when you leave a review, leave a comment, it really helps to grow the podcast. So thank you so much for that. If you haven't yet, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder, which is our guide to show you how to develop more persuasive content as a speaker, as a communicator. You can grab that at persuasivecontentbuilder.com. And uh, hey, have a great week. I look forward to seeing you next week. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't so that you don't miss a beat of the Expert Edge podcast. And we'll be bringing more stories, more, more challenges, more inspiration of how to build an expert business that truly impacts the world. Bless you, look after yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.